Hello, my good friends, and uh, welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. So, um, we are going to do an article here that's um, very interesting. It's from CNS News. Um, Catholic exorcist, transgenderism is a full-blown attack against motherhood. This is by Michael W. Chapman. It's dated January 9th. 2023 and it's the um the exorcist here is father chad ripiker ripiker he's um very um he's very popular on youtube and uh he's a conservative he's a conservative priest and yes he is an exorcist i've heard him talk so um let's begin a quick prayer in the name of the father son holy spirit So let's uh, read this. CNS News. In his January 8th sermon on the family, Father Chad Ripiker, a Catholic priest and exorcist, explained that transgenderism is a direct attack on motherhood and added that the entire feminist movement is an assault on motherhood. All right, let's stop there for a minute. This, I have to agree. I really do. I have to agree. There is, um, since the sexual revolution, and, um, you know, they got this, what do you call it, first wave feminism, second wave feminism. I have no idea what that means. I didn't even think there were any waves, but what do I know But about feminism? But the problem here is is that it's told women that they don't they don't need to get married they don't need to have kids they don't need to have a husband or they can raise kids without a man and many of them have um serious hang-ups serious issues and a lot of women actually regret regret this later on in their life they regret it they wish they did get married they wish they did have a husband they don't want to grow old and, um, what do you call it, uh, think that the job, I mean, even for a man, corporations don't love you. They take your life. They suck your energy. Your talents, your skills are for the corporation as long as you're useful. And you could, you know, committing yourself, giving your entire life years, 30 years, 40 years or whatever. As soon as you, you know, if they can, if they will replace you and if they feel it's important for them to replace you, they will replace you and they'll give your job to someone else that they feel would do better for them. It goes either for men or for women. All right. You're only as useful as you're needed as whatever it is they want from you, as you can give. Look at the way in, in Japanese culture, um, their, their obsession with the company. I mean, seriously, you ever seen a documentary? Some of these guys don't even go home. They go to this motel where they're, it's like in, in these like beds in the wall like coffins, like a catacomb or something. And they sleep overnight. They'll change. They'll have like maybe, maybe they'll have a suit or whatever. But, you know, but the point is they barely even have a life. Their entire time is for the company. And now there's a large population of elderly people, men and women. The population in Japan is dropping. There's a overpopulation of old people and many of them even go to this forest, this place to commit suicide. Many of them don't even have families. They There's a, a villages of just elderly people. In one school, uh, a documentary showed there was, there was only one boy in an entire village. That's how bad it is for them. All right, let's continue here. So the entire feminist movement is an assault on motherhood. 
Father Ripperger spoke at St. Mary a Pine Bluff Catholic Church in Madison, Wisconsin. While discussing marriage and how it is under constant attack by our culture, Father Ripperger said things like transgenderism is a full-blown attack against motherhood. People usually don't put it together. Why is why is it an attack on motherhood? Well, because any woman who goes through a transgender operation can't bear children anymore, he said. And any guy who becomes a woman, at least by modern technology, he's not having any kids. True. In point of fact, the entire feminist movement is an, is an assault on motherhood, which is frankly one of the most sublime, magnificent offices that God ever created, said the priest. I don't think any of us can argue with that, right? I mean, I mean, I'm going to, this is obviously not about motherhood, but I'm going to have to look at myself. I'm 51 years old. In July of this year, I'll be 52. I'm not married. I don't have a wife and kids. Um, my job and the culture, I'm going to say the culture does not promote even what doesn't even want to promote fatherhood. It doesn't want to promote families in general. Okay, let alone motherhood. And I know a lot of people uh, at my workplace, many of them are not married. Many of them do not have kids. Okay? And if they are married, they don't have kids. Okay? And if they do, I've said it before in other podcasts, the... Um, the average, the average, the general is no children. I would say the general is no marriage and no kids. And if they are married, there's no kids. And if they, and if they are married, this is another category, the uh, average is usually one child. And for others, the above average is two. But, you know, that's... That is, that is if they are married. And it's very, very, um, that's, just, that's still a minority. I would say it's a minority among many people. I know at least uh, two families, three actually. One, a supervisor who is a widower raising a son. He lost his wife. Uh, two... As two or three, the average is one child, okay? Um, as a matter of fact, all three that I know have a daughter. I mean, let's say the families, the ones that are married. And I know only two out of those that have two kids, okay? You know, two colleagues, let's say, uh, that are married and have two kids, and actually, it's both is a boy and a son and daughter, let's say. One lives in uh, uh, Queens, and another one, his wife, uh, one of the Carolinas, uh, son and daughter, she lives down there because she wants to have a house. He, they can't afford to, you know, he can't afford to buy a, buy a house here in New York. And the other colleagues, he's in the same department as, you know, others, and he owns a house in Queens, um, wife works. So both of them, you know, you know, small house and the others, all, all three have a daughter and only one, like I said, actually there's another one I should have added. Yeah. Him and his wife, uh, they live in uh, Manhattan also, and they also have a son. So yes, it's the average is one child. So I forgot to count that one. Yeah. So it's, uh, one, two, three, four, five, uh, you know, one child. And the below average is two with, uh, with, uh, you know, the others have more than one child. So you see, it's, it's, it shows you the, but the others, the others, coworkers, I know no kids. All right. So let's continue here. Uh, so, <laughs> Everyone wants to change their sex, so yeah, you can see that. That's uh, 
definitely not having kids. In point of fact, the entire feminist movement is an assault on motherhood, which is frankly one of the most sublime, magnificent offices that God ever created, said the priest. A virtuous woman is the most magnificent of all God's creation, he, he continued. So we have to get motherhood and the office of wife back on the pedestal. We have to rebuild the marriage. And the reason why it is under full-blown attack is because the demons know that marriage, that is the family, is the building block of society, not the individual. It is the family that is the building block of society. If you can destroy the family, all life, you will de facto destroy the culture, said Father Ripiker. You can't ignore, you can't really ignore that. You can't ignore that at all because it's true. I'm really worried, I mean, about a lot of people who don't have, who don't have, um, a faith to guide them through through all this. I mean, if you don't have your faith and you don't have people, um, a, a community, and that's a big problem because we don't have a secure Catholic community. We don't have strong communities to to guide us through these tough these tough things. You know. Of loneliness, and I and and it's going to be very frightening. I think in the future for a lot of people, when they find themselves alone. I mean, I don't. I think that's it's already starting to show. You know, people um, substitute uh, pets, dogs, cats, as a substitute for human relationship. Others uh, will substitute. Um, sadly, uh, you know, I think now with technology, you know, you're going to find a lot of people falling into, um, companions with technology. I mean, there's this film coming out called Megan and it's about a, a, an aunt who doesn't have the time to raise her orphan niece lost both her parents in the accident and she works with this technological company and she they create a a um a companion toy uh android doll literally a doll that it's a frankenstein story and the doll turns killer <laughs> you know that's why it's a frankenstein story it's a horror story but the point is she herself doesn't invest the time because her career is more important to her. Her career and not the niece that that she is obligated to take care of. The girl has no... A, a, a machine is a poor substitute. So you see our culture, um, you know, this 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 career thing a career for a company and 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 you don't put relationships at you know which is what you human beings are created for it's not valued the girl develops an attachment to though i haven't seen the film all i've seen is from reviews and from uh trailers but this reflects our culture all right. If you can destroy the family life, you will de facto destroy culture, said Father Ripiker. They've, uh, they've, the feminists, torn down the magnificence of motherhood and the magnificence of what it truly means to be a woman. And now we also see, he added, now masculinity is under full-blown attack because the absolute hatred the demons have for God the Father and the fact that um, men are in, are in the image of God the Father. Okay, so uh, I'm not going to watch the entire... Well, I'll probably play some of the sermon, but anyway, let's continue here. 
Okay, so Father Ripperker holds degrees in theology and philosophy and earned his doctorate in philosophy from the Pontifical University of the Holy Cross in Rome, Italy. He is, ba- uh, he is based with the Society of the Most Sorrowful Mother in Kinsburg, Colorado, in the Archdiocese of Denver. You, um, you can't argue with this. You can't argue with this at all. It's, um, it's true. Let me play just a little bit of this here. In fact, things like transgenderism is a full-blown attack against motherhood. People usually don't put it together. Why is it? Well, because there's no such... Any, tra- any woman who goes through a transgender operation can't bear children anymore. And any woman who actually goes... And any guy who becomes a woman, at least by the modern technology, he's not having any kids. And in point in fact, the entire feminist movement is an assault on motherhood. Which is, frankly, one of the most sublime and magnificent offices that God ever created. I often tell people that, look it, a virtuous woman is the most magnificent of all of God's creation. But a woman who is not virtuous is the most wretched. I'm not the guy that originally said that. That has been said over and over again by the saints. So we have to get motherhood and the office of wife put back on the pedestal. We have to rebuild the marriage. And the reason why the marriage is under full-blown attack is because demons know that the marriage, that is the family, is the building block of society, not the individual. It is the family that's the building block of the society. And if you can destroy the family life, you will de facto destroy the culture. They even said at one point that you can actually tell the health of a culture just by the health of the women within that culture. So ironically, as much as they like to say that they're touting the rights of women, they've torn down the magnificence of motherhood and the magnificence of what it truly means to be a woman. And now we also see, and I won't go on because I could do this for hours, Now, masculinity is under full-blown attack because of the absolute hatred that demons have for God the Father and the fact that men are in the image of God the Father. Okay. That right there is it. And I have to say, with all honesty, I totally agree with him. I don't think anyone can argue with that. So I want to play, I want to actually, uh, here, here's another article here I want us to uh, look into here. This is again from the same organization, CNS News. Catholic uh, exorcist, gay marriage is an abomination. God will afflict us in some manner. This is by, again, the same individual, Michael W. Chapman. This is January 10th, 2023. In his January 8th sermon on the Holy Family and Necessity of Marriage in Civil Society, Father Chad Ripperger, a Catholic priest and exorcist, defined what marriage is and dismissed gay marriage as an abomination on a disordered practice for which God will punish us. All right, so if you ask me, I think we're already starting to see that because it's... I mean, seriously, you got people who say they're non-binary and they don't identify as a man or a woman. And this young woman says into a class in this college classroom, but I have a uterus. Well, that makes you a woman. And you see the kids blow up when you, when you shatter their so-called delusion. All right. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, it's a cult. Okay, let's continue. Father Ripperger spoke at St. Mary of Pine Bluff Catholic Church in Madison, Wisconsin. Today, there's a complete all-out assault on the very nature of marriage, said Father Ripperger. The definition of marriage is 
that it is, a, it is a solemn contract between a man and a woman for the sake of having children. The primary end is having children. That's what it's, it is ordered towards. This is something which unfortunately has not been understood today, he added. People think marriage is just a, a license to engage in the conjugal act, but that's not what we're talking about here. It's true. Marriage is actually a covenant, a, co a covenant between a husband, a man and a woman. All right, because we know that in creation, you know, a man leaves his father and mother and becomes one flesh with his wife. They're no longer two, but one. And no human person, no society has a right to to bring that down, bring that apart, to tear it apart. Christ elevated marriage as a sacrament at the wedding of Cana. At the wedding of Cana, he blessed that marriage. All right. Um, the turning the water to wine was a sign of 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 basically uh, the gospel and a sacrament. You know, new wine for new wineskins, for new vessels. He raised it up. He raised it up higher. He made it into something holy. He restored it to back to Adam and Eve, but also it represents Christ and his church. He raised it up high. He turned it into something holy. And it's, and sex it's not all about sex, although it is about sex because it's about bringing life. It's about God and his creation in Genesis. And it's a new Genesis because the gospel is a new Genesis. Christ is the beginning of the new Genesis. He made things new again. And this society doesn't see that. It doesn't understand that because it doesn't want to conform to God. That's why sin, as Father Chris Alar said it, is when you push God away, you invite evil. You invite evil into your life. You invite evil into the world. And you don't have God. Evil is not something created. It is the absence of God in our lives. And it's we are self-destructive. So, this definitely is evil. All right. It's truly, it's true. Okay, let me just read this passage one more time. This is something which unfortunately has not been understood today, he added. People think marriage is just a, li just a license to engage in conjugal act, but that's not what we're talking about here. It's true that they now have rights over each other's bodies in relationships to that and therefore can licitly engage in conjugal act. And actually, it's a morally good thing for them to do, to do so provided the natural law is followed, he said. But in point of fact today, people don't even understand that it, that it, marriage, is between a man and a woman, said Father Ripiker. Okay, so here's an uh, image here in this article of, you know, those little figurines they put on the, uh, the marriage cake. Well, one shows two women, the other one in the background shows two men. It's, it's, it's so silly, so ridiculous. Okay. The fact that there is gay marriage, perhaps put marriage in quotes because it's not true marriage. It doesn't mean, it doesn't meet the definition of marriage, he said. It's an abomination. There is no way that God isn't going to afflict us in some manner as a result of taking on something that is that disordered. He's right. No matter what you say, it will never be true marriage. Something happened. Something really... It, 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 it's, it's almost like a demonic cloud of delusion. Something really went wrong in our society. And I, I have to say with all honesty, it's almost like we're on this, <laughs> this 
um, vessel of self-destruction. We want to head straight towards that mountain. We keep pushing for over the edge. We keep pushing towards the gates of hell. A friend of mine and uh, said that it's a lot of people. They believe that a lot of a lot of people are not baptized. I mean, it's true. How many people are not baptized? Our society is destroying itself. I mean, it's like our whole planet has become one big giant Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, seriously, I think Sodom and Gomorrah itself. I think Father Ripiker said this. Um, they got nothing. I mean, you know, seriously, we're, we're, you know, they they probably blushed. They didn't push for marriage. They just were perverted. You know, not even ancient Rome pushed for marriage. Not even ancient Greece pushed for marriage. I don't even know. I mean, that's seriously. Ancient Rome, Greece, I don't even think the Celts or the, the, the Germanic people uh, pushed for it. Our society seems on a desperation to push to complete self-destruction. We're heading towards that, 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 that self-destruction and like we're desperate. We just want to destroy ourselves. In fact, there, in fact, their acts are so disordered that St. Catherine of Siena said that even the demons find it repulsive, said Father Ripiker. And yet today it's glorified. That's true. Don't think that the demons themselves, the demons themselves were once, were once angels. They were, they, they could not, they, they, they chose to separate themselves with, with uh, from God, with Lucifer, Satan himself. And they know the natural law of what, how God created the universe. They know the truth. They know it. And they themselves would be repulsed by those souls who lived such a disgusting life, such a disordered life. They themselves are, are disgusted by it. You can't make this up. You can't. Because the demons know what God, the, the, the truth about God. They know it. We ourselves, when we stand in judgment, we will see the truth about God and we will see the truth about ourselves. And we will know, we will know in ourselves that we can't stand being in his presence because he is holy and we're not. And because we pushed for a life without God on earth, we ourselves will convict ourselves. It isn't just God convicting us. We convict ourselves because of our sinful sinful disordered life and the fact that we are so unholy that to be in his presence is painful that we ourselves will be desperate for the sentence that we deserve for the judgment we deserve you can't run away from that okay that's that's how holy god is that's how unholy we are okay but the terrible thing is, is also the pain, the loss of not having God. The pain will be great. We, 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 we will know that we need to be convicted. We, will, we know we deserve punishment. But we will also know the loss of the possibility of what that joy is of being with God. Because he is our creator. We will stand before truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We, no one can escape that. And we will know, we will know what we have done. And the pain will be great. Okay, it's not like you're going to stand before God and you're going to argue that you have a right, you have a right to make that choice. No, you will, you will know the pain will be too great. The pain of being in the presence of truth will be too great. There will be no argument about our sins. We will know we did wrong. We will know that we did evil. We will know this. You can't fight this. I can't fight this. 
if we chose to live an evil life, we will acknowledge that we lived an evil, an evil life. But we will also we will realize the loss of the joy we could have had with him. God is not going to force us to love him. But we will know the loss of that, of that, of that joy, of that relationship of being in front of him and being with him for all eternity. That's, it's all there. If the demons can acknowledge, even the demons can acknowledge the grotesqueness of our, of our lives, the repulsiveness of our lives, think of them because they cannot deny the natural law, the way what God has set up. In fact, their acts are so disordered that St. Catherine of Siena said that even the demons find it repulsive, said Father Ripiker, and yet today it is glorified. In her writing, St. Catherine of Siena, she lived from 1347 A.D. to 1380 A.D., claimed that Jesus Christ himself had remarked pitifully on some of the clergy who had engaged in homosexual behavior. Wow. Like the blind and stupid, having dimmed the light of their understanding, they, they, they practicing homosexuals, do not recognize the disease and misery in which they find themselves, she wrote. For this is not only because, because, because of me, Christ, nos, uh, uh, the nausea, but it's disgusting even to the devils themselves, whom these depraved creatures have chosen as their lords. Wow, it is disgusting to the devils, not because evil displeases them or because they find it they find pleasure in good, wrote St. Catherine, but rather because their nature is angelic and flees upon seeing such a repulsive sin being committed. That is unbelievable. You see, that is unbelievable. I mean, you can't, I mean, think about it. This was written back in somewhere between 1347 and 1380. Unbelievable. It's just remarkable. It's uh, it's amazing. I mean, you have these writings by these saints. All right, let's continue here. It is disgusting to the devils, not because evil displeases them or because they find pleasure in good, wrote St. Catherine, but rather because that, na that their nature is angelic and flees upon seeing such a repulsive sin being committed. Father Ripiker holds a degree in theology and philosophy and earned his doctorate in philosophy from the Pontifical University of the Holy Cross in Rome, Italy. He is based with the Society of the Most Sorrowful Mother in Kinsburg, Colorado, in the Archdiocese of Denver. This, uh, let me play again. Might as well. He's great. He actually is great to hear, but he really tells it like it is. You don't hear this, unfortunately, from many pulpits. They're afraid to preach it. That's how bad the structure of the church has become like a corporate structure. And a lot of our priests are afraid. They're afraid to preach the truth. They're afraid because they're afraid of the, of, of the backlash of the society. And this is terrible. It's a terrible thing. And, you know, and, and, and because I think a lot of people think that they're treating Catholicism like an evolving religion, like an, like, you know, they they've allowed all this modernist crap to creep in and an evolving truth an evolving Christ an evolving church that there's no, no, it is the church and you can't treat it. It, it, it is, it is established by the son of God. All right. There is no evolving. There is no evolving gospel. There is no evolving truth. There is no evolving consciousness. All that is just complete nonsense. It's crap. All right. It's nonsense. Let's continue here. Let's listen to Father Ripiker. Then, of course, there's a complete all out assault on the very nature of marriage. The definition of marriage is it's a solemn contract between a man and a woman 
for the sake of having children. The primary end is having children. That's what it's ordered towards. This is something which, unfortunately, has not been understood today. People think marriage is just a license to engage in the conjugal act, but that's not what we're talking about it's here. It's actually the same sermon, but... That it's true that they now have rights over each other's bodies in relationship to that, and therefore can licitly, and it's actually a morally good thing for them to do so, provided the natural law is followed. But in point in fact, today, people don't even understand that it's between a man and a woman. The fact that there is gay marriage, people have to put marriage in quotes because it's not true marriage. It doesn't meet the definition of marriage. It's an abomination. There's no way that God isn't going to afflict us in some manner as a result of taking on something that is that disordered. In fact, their acts are so disordered that St. Catherine of Siena said that even the demons find it revulsive. And yet today it's glorified. This is all based upon a false principle. Well, if people love each other, they should get to be able to get married. That's not what the church ever said. Obviously, people should love each other before they're married. But the obligation to love on the side of the husband, his wife is after marriage. Obviously, he should be loving her beforehand, but it's the obligation afterwards. But the love is just because you love somebody and you can't even give a, get a proper definition of love. People think love is, I got these n nice feelings and emotions for you. That's not what love is. Love is willing. It's in the will, willing the good of another. And there's two kinds of love. There is a love which is what they call an interested love. That's where you want the other person who is seen as a good for yourself. And most people never get beyond that. But then there is the love of friendship, St. Thomas says, and that's what marriage should be founded on. In fact, he says that marriage is the, the most intimate of all forms of friendship in this life, other than obviously with God. But that love, love of friendship, is where you will the good of the other individual, regardless of whether you get anything out of it or not. And that you don't see too often among people. It's a sacrificial love by nature, where you're willing to put aside your own particular good, some lower good, for the sake of the better good of the other individual or for the family. The reason why fathers are not very sacrificial is because they don't understand that one fundamental thing, that they become true men by sacrificing the lesser goods in their life for the greater good of their family. That is completely lost. That's the true love that they have for each other. And the wife, the, what she sacrifices is her self-will by being subject to the, to the father who's the head of the household. Always tell women, look, you're not being subject to your husband as such. You're being subject to your husband. You're being ultimately subject to God through your husband. And so if you recognize you're just being subject to the order that God established through the natural law, if you do that and have that perspective, then your, your subjection to him will have a right order. It's not a groveling. It's not a servitude. He still owes you certain things and has an, has an obligation to honor you, even as his wife, because that's a particular office, and even as a mother, he has an obligation to honor that, which is an excellence. But at the same time, being subject to him, all of that is completely destroyed by the feminist movement today. If you look at the feminist movement, all it is is the curse of Eve on steroids. <laughs> I, I like that. So... That's something we have to remember. Love is a will and is for the wishing, is willing the good for the other, desiring the good for the other, putting the, the other before you. And I like what he said about fatherhood. And that's something we have to, we have to remember. But unfortunately, yes, our society has lost it. So what do we do about it? Well, I think that, um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, it we need we need to be saints. That's the only answer. It's not um it's not. It's not good at all. It's you know, it's sad. 
Um, okay, so I want to look at another article here. Okay, let's let's keep uh, scrolling down. Um, let's keep looking here. There's there's other articles here, and uh, we're going to explore it. Now, this is not from Father uh, Rippiger, but this is from the um, I think the same uh, MRC TV. Um, let's look at it here. This is gender queer priests aims to normalize LGBTQ youth. This is not a Catholic priest. This is an Anglican, an Anglican priest. And Dr. Taylor Marshall talked about it on his podcast, but let's, um, YouTube podcast. Let's get Taryn Rose Metalberg, January 5th, 2023. Okay. No, this isn't a joke. The first genderqueer priest in the Church of England is hoping to use her, his, priesthood title to reach LGBTQ youth. Reverend, get ready folks, Bingo Allison, yes, that's the name we're working with here, wants to normalize transitioning for children. Ha. Huh. So you see how satanic this is? You see how ridiculous? And I'm going to have to be careful how I'm going to uh, label this on um, on Google. I'm going to have to be very careful because if I um, if I do, I don't think I don't know about the Google um, or Anchor Anchor for example Anchor. I don't know what they might do. So I'm going to have to be careful how I name this. All right, let's, um, so, so this person, just, um, <laughs> bingo. Uh, I can't believe that this person shows a name. Like, it's like, <coughs> seriously, they go out of their way to make themselves ugly. They go out of their way to, to look like clowns. They go out of their way to look like something satanic. And, they're not hiding it anymore that they're look they're, they're, they are actually predators. They're child predators. They, they, they don't even hide it. That's how, that's how bad it's gotten in our society. Allison, 36, younger than me, was born a male, but identifies as non-binary. You see what I'm saying? And dresses in female attire, includes makeup, earrings. He also has a wife and three children and was raised in a Christian conservative household. Let that sink in. I'm going to read it one more time. Bingo Allison. All right. He's 36 years old. I'm 51. Was born a male but identifies as a, as a non-binary and dresses in female attire, include, including makeup and earrings. He also has a wife and three children and was raised in a Christian conservative household. Did it sink in? Is it... Uh... <laughs> Okay, let's go on. Apparently, while one day reading Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, which states, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female male and female. He created them, he created them. Allison discovered a new truth about gender identity and its relationship with biblical principles. Okay, I have to let this sink in. I don't think it will. All right, let's read. Let's read this one paragraph one more time. All right, as a matter of fact, I'm going to go back. Allison, Bingo, Allison. Right? It doesn't. It just starts with Allison, but I'm going to put in Bingo. Bingo, Allison, 36, was born a male, but identifies as non-binary, and dresses in a female attire, including makeup and earrings. He also has a wife and three children and was raised in a Christian conservative household. Apparently, while one day reading Genesis one twenty seven, which states, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them 
he created them, Oh, bingo, Allison discovered an, a, new, a new truth about gender identity and its relationship with the biblical principles. Get ready. I probably f- properly felt God was guiding me into this new truth about myself. Allison told the Liz- Liverpool Echo, one of the things that has kept with my ministry ever since is that transition and coming out can and should be a spiritual experience as well as an emotional and social and sometimes physical one. There is something beautiful about growing into who we were created to be and growing into our authentic selves. Oh, there's a link to the Liverpool Echo. The Liverpool Echo. Let's continue. Growing into you into your authentic self includes embracing who you are and who God made you to be, not the opposite, which is what Allison is doing. Well, I don't think Bingo Allison is listening, and I don't think Bingo Allison cares. All right. Okay, let's continue. To make matters worse, Bingo Allison, who says he's inspired by LGBTQ youth, visits schools in his clerical collar to assure them that it's okay to be transgender. Allison said he likes to get involved in the local secular LGBT groups to be a visual representation and make a huge difference in normalizing normalizing it for children. When I'm wearing my collar, it is children who know that it is okay, that there is a, a place in church and the outside world for people like me, he said. If this gender queer individual want, want went anywhere near my children, I'd be pitching a fit. He has no right to use his priesthood collar, which personally I think he shouldn't have in the in the first place, as a means to manipulate children into thinking that he and what he he has to say is gospel. This is wrong on so many levels. <sighs> okay. Let's listen to this. Okay, well, here's um, here's something from Twitter. It is a sad reality that some parents care more about forcing gender-affirming care on kids instead of letting them be actual kids. Uh, someone here wrote, uh, Tyrion Rose is, is back exposing most woke and insane things from the left in the, in the latest woke of the week of, in, of the week weak as in weak people this is of course you wouldn't be able to post this uh because elon musk got control of twitter but imagine if he didn't have control of twitter the twitter people the original managers of twitter would have silenced and blocked you and that's this is it this is the problem we're having here you know, and unfortunately, it's 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 beyond belief. Let's let's listen to this. Not allowing a child to use puberty blockers is simply just transphobic. It just is what it is. Uh, no, it's simply just protecting the child from believing a delusion and permanently harming their bodies. Okay, I guess she's Taryn Rose. As everyone heads into the new year with new goals, aspirations, and plans ahead, it appears that some of the left have carried over their indoctrinating ways and are still focused on pushing the LGBTQ narrative to our kids. New year, same goals. As a refresher, I'm Tiran Rose with MRC TV and Culture. You're watching Woke of the Week, where I expose the most woke, progressive, insane, and crazy content from the weak leftist mob. If you have actual goals this year, please add the goal of taking time to pray for these, let's just say, special types of people and the kids that they have the power to manipulate. Not allowing a child to use puberty blockers is simply just transphobic. It just is what it is. There's no real reason not to. 
puberty blockers just allows a child to kind of freeze, allows their look to freeze, to stay in place. It gives them more time. And that's where you're wrong. Puberty blockers do not just freeze a child's body changes, like the pause button on a remote. There are significant repercussions that evolve from puberty blockers, like lower bone density, impacting brain development, and possible vision loss, among a large, non-specific amount of other life-threatening issues. Even so, as worded by the St. Louis Children's Hospital, these detriments are outweighed by the mental health benefits of kids taking the blockers. AKA, who cares what happens to a kid's body as long as the child who, mind you, probably doesn't even know how to microwave popcorn, feels happy. By not letting a child go on puberty blockers, somebody who is trans and will transition, by not letting them go on puberty blockers, you're essentially just making it harder for them to transition. No, you're protecting them from a very, very difficult life that would inevitably lead to long-term negative mental health effects and permanent damage to their beautiful, God-given body. Give your trans child the best opportunity at life as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. We will give our children the best possibility at life as possible. And that starts with keeping them away from people like her and people like this so-called teacher. How are you making your classroom more inclusive and giving space for names, pronouns, all those things with your students? A super easy thing to do is a Google form or a piece of paper that has a place for them to say what pronouns they're going by, what name they would like to be used, and where you can use it. Because as we all know, not all spaces are safe for our kids that are using different names and different pronouns. Yeah, you got that part right. Not all places are safe for our kids, like being around teachers like that. This is one easy thing you can do to make your space safe. And remember, do not share students' pronouns or names. One, it is against the law in most states in terms of privacy. And two, we want to respect students and their humanity. Oh, great. So help our kids change their gender and then hide it from their parents. You know what that sounds like? <clears throat> but for some, that's exactly where they find the joy of teaching. One of my th favorite things about uh, substitute teaching is uh, getting to see all the queer kids. And <laughs> sometimes they give me gifts. And today uh, I had a trans kid ask if I was trans and I said yes. And then they gave me this baby. <laughs> what does this mean? I don't know, but I love it. It's a little blue figure. And that's on the 2023 list of things we need to fix. Oh, and this chick. I keep getting um, crickets in my house. I don't know why. I've never had a cricket problem before, but I, I looked it up and apparently it's, it's really bad luck to kick them out of your house. Like you're not supposed to kick them out of your house, but like, what am I supposed to do? Like, let you stay here? Now there's like 36 crickets running around because I did kick out one. And let me tell you, I had a really, really horrible week after that. And now they're just running around. And I'm like, please move. I just want to make a piece of toast and you're in my way. And I open a cabinet and it's just like, oh, hey, cricket that I can't kick out of my house. Can you please just leave? I don't want to kick you out. I just want to ask you nicely to leave. My house is just infested with crickets. And always let your conscience be your guide. While all the clips I show today seem like they're crowning achievements of a dystopian universe, they're unfortunately what we're dealing with in modern-day America. While the media and the left are going to tell you that all that is normal, I'm here to slap you in the face, get you out of their hypnotic brainwashing, and let you know that that behavior is the furthest thing from normal. And that's your Woke of the Week. Check out our other work on mrctv.org and visit our social media pages while they're still up. We've got Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. And to help videos like this keep coming, visit mrc.org slash donate. Thanks for watching. See you next time, and Happy New Year. That was interesting. That was... All right. That was interesting. And I... And it's... um. Wow. It's... <laughs> I think we really have a problem here. How do we... I mean... <laughs> they're losing their minds. 
that girl, I don't understand her. And by the way, the teacher who says a kid gave her a something, uh, it's a little tiny figure, a little tiny blue figure, like a, you know, like a, just a tiny blue figure, like a human form figure. And I don't know what that means. I have no idea. But the fact that you have these people and the first one, uh, uh, you could tell by her voice, the black woman who talking about puberty blockers, it, this is, this is, this is unbelievable. And all this like escalated. If we notice right after, right after, I mean, during the time of the, the COVID shutdown, it just got worse. So our culture has gotten satanic. It has gotten extremely satanic. And we are living in a post-Christian culture. But we have to find a way. All right. We are here exactly where Christ wants us to be. No, don't despair. God is in control of history. You and I are born in this time because he wants us to be in this time. He wants us to to participate in this time in history, to become the saints that that he desires us to be. He wants us to become saints. And that means we have to, we have to not run or hide. We have to we have to boldly go forward, just as Christ sent the apostles, just as the Christians during the early days of the Christian faith in persecuted in under Rome, Imperial Rome. We we are born exactly in the time we're meant to be. We must become saints. We have to we have to become saints, and this is also praying. We have to pray the rosary. We have to study our faith. And we have to stop being afraid. And no, you can't just find a corner to to practice your faith and say, I don't want to, I know, I'm going to ignore the world. No, you can't ignore the world. Okay? You can't ignore the world. You have to, we have to face it. We have to face the world. We can't <clears throat> go to some TLM group and think it's going to save the world. It's not going to save the world. We have to, this, the mass is beautiful, but we have to be holy. We have to take, we have to take the gospel to the world. We have to convert the world. The West is no longer a Christian culture. It is, it is a post-Christian culture. And they're going, look, they shut down the churches during during the COVID period. They shut down society during COVID. Okay? What do you think? The Latin mass didn't stop it because the devil wants division. He wants, he wants a division. And the thing is, it might be that we're living in a time where heresy, where the, where, where the heresy can also be within within those who claim to be pious and more holy. We can't do that. I'm not against the land mass, but what I'm against is division. All right? I I prefer I think the Latin mass is beautiful. But you can't the devil's telling people that the 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 Novus Ordo, the ordinary the, the ordinary mass is 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 not holy. No. No. We're being divided. We're being divided. Okay, the time that we live in here is for us to become saints. The church was built on the grave of the martyrs. The Christian faith sanctified the culture. All right, made it holy. Christ, through his saints, sanctified the world. All right, I'm going to leave it here. And, um, well... Let's, uh, I'm going to try to do more, more like this. Okay. All right, folks. Let's say a quick Hail Mary in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless.